welcome to the Paranormal Brothers Podcast. Welcome to part two about my attachment. Last week, you heard about where I got the attachment from, being Tombstone, and a bit of what I was dealing with. When we left off, I was feeling the most defeated I had ever felt in my entire life. And that's a devastating feeling. My health was deteriorating before my eyes, and I still had no answers, not a single one. And that lingering feeling that I was not alone. Enter Jeanette. I've known Jeanette for a few years. At that point, we worked together at my mom's cafe, and then later on at the very haunted Winter Hotel. Her true calling is helping people. I call her a spiritual trauma healer. I am confident in saying that she saved me that day, 100%. We met up for dinner one day, and we discussed what was going on with me and the effect it was having on me. She offered to try to help me, and I graciously accepted. (laughs) You know, we wasted no time whatsoever and immediately went to her house after we were done eating our dinner. At the time I was writing my book, Paranormal Prowlers, I'm Always With You and asked her if I could record our session, just in case I wanted to use it in the book. FYI, it's the last chapter of the book. Now, mind you, The Paranormal Prowlers was about halfway done by this point, and after this session with Jeanette ended, and the way it ended, I knew I had my ending for my book. As mentioned, I recorded from start to finish, well, almost finished after I stopped the recorder, something incredible happened. And let's just say that to this day, I still regret not catching the true ending on recording. You'll hear more about this later in the episode. When we did this session, the only ones in her home were Jeanette and I and her loyal husky, Gypsy, who stayed in the other room and slept the whole time. Soon it was evident that we were not alone. So why don't we dive right in? We get to Jeanette's house where I'm instructed by her to get comfortable, breathe as comfortably as I can, close my eyes, clear my mind, easier said than done, but I manage. And then she invites spirit. I want to mention that you will be hearing bits from our session, recordings of Jeanette and myself. So there's going to be times where you will hear EVPs and then I'll replay them again for you. Then I'll play them in a slower mode because sometimes it takes certain people to hear it in the slower mode. So once we're settled in. So with that, is there anything you'd like to add? It's a query, prayer, or a comment, or a question, or anything that feels relevant to what we're doing. Just to keep us protected, possessions and bodies, things destroyed. Would like to know if there's a, something, you know, an attachment because I haven't been right since Arizona. And, uh, you know, I'm not one to go to the hospital, but it was so bad I had to go to the hospital with no answers, so that just makes it even more mysterious. Even like right now, I'm like, kind of having a hard time breathing, but... At one point, 
Jeanette shares with me that some of her clients while during sessions have actually had past life experiences pop up and how amazing it was. And I respond. And then we also get an EVP of a possible man. You'll hear her, then me, then Jeanette once again, real quick, and then the EVP. So here that is. Oh, right. It was wow. really amazing. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so don't know if you were able to hear that okay or not. Let me play that again. So I'm kind of curious to see what you guys actually hear. Am I tripping or does it sound like this voice is whispering dead man feels? So dead man feels. One more time. So if you hear something else besides dead man feels, I would love to hear your opinion. You could email me at paranormal dot prowlers dot podcast at gmail.com. So one time Jeanette asks me to take some deep breaths. She speaks and at the end of her sentence, instead of saying a word, she makes a breathing sound and then a gesture. You'll hear the word breath, but it's not coming from Jeanette. And later on, later on, a few weeks after we did the session, we got together and listened to the session recording. Together, we were taking notes. And deep in my soul and heart, I knew that voice was not Jeanette. But for the hell of it, I asked her anyways if that was her. And she was shocked. No, she exclaims, that certainly was not me. So take a listen to the EVP. It's at the end of the sentence. And I'm going to do that with you. Okay. And it doesn't have to be like, but just a slow kind of a calming So, And it doesn't have to be like, but just a slow kind of a calming So. Okay, so I don't know if you heard that breath, but you hear Jeanette's voice, and that's certainly not her voice. So I'm going to play that again. I'm going to do it a little slower for you. And it doesn't have to be like, but just a slow kind of a calming. It sounds like he's right there in front of the recorder. And the recorder was off to the side. I wasn't holding it. It wasn't in my hands. It wasn't right next to Jeanette. It was just kind of in the middle. And so, I don't know, take with it what you will. So many times throughout the session, Jeanette requested that I inhale and exhale. So now, each breath, each in breath, and each out breath, you can just be normal. Each exhale, I invite your mind kind of relax and drop down into your body. Now we drop down into your chest so that your inner awareness reminds us and all of the benevolent support you know, that you have from the unseen realms and your own highest wisdom that 
you begin to get more and more aware of that. Not going to lie, folks, sometimes I found it impossible to take a breath. So for a second, I ask you to do this. Take a breath. Easy, right? I mean, you know how you complete this full deep breath and the relief like, ah, that you feel afterwards. I couldn't get that, ah. My body wasn't allowing me this relief. The only way I can explain it is like a boa or a python constricting itself around your neck or a fish out of water. Or say like you want to shake a carbonated drink and it starts flowing up and then it's supposed to come down the sides of the cup, but it something stops it and it's not able to get that relief. It's not able to get out. That's how it was. It was just so, so crazy. So I just wanted to try to get you guys to know what I was feeling as my 33 years on earth at that time, I have never felt something like that before. So some of you may have, and some of you may have not. So this happens a few times while my eyes were closed. Suddenly I'm being surrounded by a brightness. We weren't near a window or door or anything that I could imagine that would be doing this. So here I am feeling it for the first time during that day. This whole time when I had my eyes closed, it was like white. It wasn't like my eyes closed. It was like white, Mm -hmm. like something dancing. And when I asked that question, it went dark. Okay. I don't know what that means. But we don't actually have to analyze it. Right now, we just trust. We get to take it at face value and we get to trust that we're guided and supported. So that problem-solving mind can actually kind of drop down. I just trust whatever you're given right now. And I invite you also to check into your body and see what you notice. How does it feel? As you just heard, she asks me throughout this time how I'm feeling, how my body is feeling. Not what I'm hearing or smelling or seeing, not specifying anything or giving attention to any specific thing. And at times, suddenly... I felt like I was watching a home video from, well, I was born in 82. So from the 80s and the 90s, you know, the VHS old school kind. And it's running in my head. Like suddenly this will just pop up. And unlike the 80s videos, the events didn't take place over 30 years ago, but only a few weeks earlier. When she asked me to check in, suddenly I would see bits and pieces. I was not thinking about these things on purpose. They would just unexpectedly pop up in my brain. Feel free to just give brief little reports of anything you notice. It can be somatic, meaning just sensations that you feel in your body. Could be emotional, could be mental, visual, could even be fragments of memories or whatever. Right now, what comes to mind is when I was in Tombstone, I was at Boot Hill, saw a father and son trying to take a picture and struggling because there were three graves behind them that they wanted in, so I took a picture for them, and I left my recorder going, and I put it down by a grave so I could take the picture. When I listened later, I got a voice from a man saying that he was hung, so I hanged. I've heard that voice off and on. 
Let's just trust and be with that for a moment. Not having to figure it out or solve it or fix anything. Every single time I had a memory flood back, it was always from Boot Hill. (laughs) Now, mind you, I had been to several locations that the attachment could possibly have come from in that last two-week period. The Birdcage Theater, the Sedona Cemetery, Jerome Grand Hotel, Lawton Tarbell Mortuary, and several other locations. However, none of those areas came through. It was straight up Boot Hill. Always Boot Hill. During our spiritual session, something happens, and Jeanette admits this has never occurred before. So I feel an activation in the hands, and that's just an energetic thing. Now I generally feel an energy starting to move. Still feeling calm, present, supported. Okay, I've never thought this before, but I'm getting a strong sense that I need to grab my journal. Oh, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Good, I think. I mean, I, I don't, things come through when I draw on a light. But I've never... Oh, wow. I've never had it when I was so... Wow, yeah. So Jeanette walks into her room, grabs her journal, and a small container that holds multicolored markers, pencils, crayons, and what have you. So for some reason, it feels useful for me to, to have you just... Kind of calmly and gently, just kind of speak about this in whatever way feels relevant for you. And any memories or associations or emotions that might come up as well. Letting the mind kind of keep dropping in in a deeper state. Well, ever since this has happened, I've, I have been more aware. I've always known that there's a possibility of attachment but I've always kind of felt like I'm jinxing myself when I would say I've never had an attachment. And I've said that a lot. I've never been one to provoke because I know that is one way you could get unwelcomed visitors, you know. At Boot Hill, there were, there were, there were five men who robbed banks and killed people in Bisbee. And they were mm-hmm. the murdering five, and they were all hung legally. Okay, so <laughs> I don't know if you caught that at the end there. I mentioned how they were hanged legally, and after that, it's kind of echoey, but what sounds like a man speaking. And to me, it's unintelligible words. So I'm going to replay that in a slower motion so you can hopefully possibly hear it for yourselves. So again, take with it what you will. Not too sure what it says at all. So someone starts communicating with Jeanette and she starts writing in her journal. What do you notice now? I hear them gasping for breath. So just be with that for a moment. Just be present in your own body. Just be aware that you have benevolent, loving, divine support here with us now. And what I'm sensing, what's coming through for me, is a sense of judgment. On their part or mine? It's interesting that you would ask that because the feeling that I get is sort of a who are you to judge us? Sort of a 
he who is without sin cast the first stone sort of a thing. And I'm curious what self-judgment that you might also have that would in any way be an opening or a vulnerability or a link between you without digging or solving or picking, but again, using the breath to kind of sink into the body and realize that there's a way that a response can kind of just come through you. What do you notice now right here? Maybe coming up. Have there ever been times when you felt judged? Yes. Why? So just be with that for a moment. And just see if anything rises to the foreground. Just the slider again. I seem to be getting some sense of connectedness between empathy and judgment. So I'm going to play a part for you now. And at times a man can be heard breathing. So please keep an ear out for that. I seem to be getting some sense of connectedness between empathy and judgment. And that that could be an opening for connection that could be weighing on you, but I'm not feeling the sense that it needs to be an attack as much as a need to be heard, understood, not judged somehow. When I killed innocent people and I I let it out and I I shouldn't have because they've been dead for a century, but it just... But let's just assume that what happened is okay. And that somehow or other, there's a gift and an opportunity right here. Yeah. Maybe this other being is seeking some kind of forgiveness, some kind of absolution, some kind of empathy. My sense is a level of torment, inner torment necessary to murder or to execute some kind of violence. And how most of the time that's never understood by those that judge us. So what I'm feeling called now is for you to take some, just more of these long, little breaths into your heart and chest without the intention of changing it or getting rid of anything, but with the intention of breathing in a sense of light, a sense of love, a sense of deeper compassion that may be a benefit to both of you. Just kind of some slow filling yourself with the goodness that you are, that's inherent. Maybe even so much that that overflows to anyone else who may need it. And that innocent heart that is your nature is what can come into the forefront instead of any vulnerability. Check in for a moment too and see what you notice in the rest of your body. As we come down to the last 20 minutes of this phenomenal experience, this session, Jeanette starts to reveal to me a few things that she has written down in the journal. Some of the things are understandable and make sense while others are more cryptic. And to this day, I still don't know what it means. So we discussed this for a couple of minutes. I'm telling her how I feel when suddenly I feel someone actually grab me. And this isn't the first time that I've been touched by a spirit, but most of the times it's during an investigation. (laughs) The man who attached himself to me starts to communicate even further. And it's pretty interesting. Take a listen. 
It's hard, but I forgive him. Take a breath. Oh, I'm unable to get a full breath like I was earlier. Yeah. Just don't try and force it. Okay. Yeah, just take a small breath if you need to, but be take a conscious, just being with one ear. Letting the body do whatever it needs or wants to do. So part of what I seem to be called to do is to help find what is within you that would be a connection or a resonance with some other being. Not just bad, negative attack. I mean, there might be anger. So anger is a strong magnetic emotion. So is compassion. So is empathy. So is judgment. So is forgiveness. Sometimes there's actually a way that a being can come to you because they feel like you actually have a way that you can help them and in the process help both of you because maybe you get to release something that is in common with them. And the word that came out on my path was judged. The other thing that came through, don't think this. If anything direct comes from it, a heart that turned into a balloon that turned into a mouse head, don't think it. Just let it just, because it could mean nothing. So what do you notice in the body now? Lightness in my chest again. I'm able to take a deep breath. It's like light. So using your breath, not to force it or to change it, but just to kind of support it. Just gentle, calm breath. The words that feel the most relevant for this, that we've kind of moved through, are judged and forgiven. Judged and forgiven. You got forgiven, huh? Yeah. In whatever way it's relevant for both of you. And staying aware just of what's happening in your body. So I heard inside my mind the word thank you. So what do you notice now if you're checking your body? It's still light up here. From yeah. time to time, you know, if your eyes are closed and something like Yeah. I kind of have that. Just did another deep breath, which is nice. It's been so long since my chest has been like this, but it feels a little more free. Well, this will be described to me right here, right here on my arm, on my on my left arm. Not mean, yeah. but just like an awareness thing. Like, <sighs> I have the sense I'm getting is one is leaving the game. Like the gang of five? Yeah. Okay, now I'm feeling some teary emotion. <laughs> Have you actually helped one of them? God, I wish I knew their name. I wish I knew which one. The sense that things are not always as they seem, and when we jump to conclusions, sometimes we don't. We aren't able to perceive that something else might also be going on. So the words that just came into my mind and now are falsely accused. Really? Not even. I'm not even getting it. The sense of not. Not that one didn't do anything wrong, but not knowing the whole picture. Wow. But also, again, I keep feeling this sense of connection, like a link between you you being able to comprehend how it feels to be falsely accused, judged. So some kind of empathic connection. So Jeanette then requests that I actually say thank you to this mysterious soul who has stayed with me for a month. And it takes me a moment or two to find and gather my words. 
I don't know if hearing some of the session does justice, you guys, but being there, experiencing it and living it, it was so unreal. And of course, so much more happened. I'm just sharing kind of bits and pieces with you guys. It's just, I can't find the words to describe it. Any request that you could somehow within you extend a thank you? I'm not even sure who it's directed at, but I trust you to know who or what that might be about. Thank you to the man who actually attached for opening my eyes and being more aware. And Hopefully, I will, you know, a lesson not to be so judging. So sometimes I do it when I don't even know I'm doing it. So I think that's an important lesson from beyond the grave that was taught to me without me even knowing it till just now. It was a painful lesson. I was having a heart attack. Is there any way that his experience helps you healing any of your own feelings of judgment? felt subjected to. I don't know. Yeah, you don't need to think hard about that. I've been such a tortured soul myself. It sounds like he was a tortured soul as well. Yeah, like that's some kind of a, a link that allowed the opening, that connected you. Again, I felt this sense of thank you coming. But I felt a flutter like right here. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of felt the words ready to go. Can you tell them goodbye? I hope that you are at peace now, and I forgive you, and I will always remember this experience that I had with you, and I hope you leave not a tortured soul, and leave a better person, and go somewhere now where you won't be judged, and be at peace, and maybe some night you can visit me in my dream, tell me your name. And then if, whenever I go back to Tombstone, because I know I'll be back, I'll put a flower on it, right? Even if it's just initials or something. So goodbye. I'm feeling a sense of gratitude here. And I'm feeling a sense of departure. I don't know if he can grant your request, but I know that he's grateful. I more feel emotion and energy. And that somehow or other, this was a chance meeting that benefited both of you. We continue on for several minutes and then we stop. And earlier I mentioned (laughs) that I stopped a bit too early. After the session, I looked through my pictures from my day in Tombstone and as she looks at a picture that I'm showing her, Jeanette's face goes emotionless. She turns pale. Then like a state of shock on her face. And it's like, She's looking past me and it's to the point where I feel like there might be something behind me. So I even turn around to look to see what she's staring at, expecting to see kind of like an apparition or something. And there's nothing there. She explains to me what happened. So looking at the picture of the tombstone, I had to write judged in the crayon colored red. I intuitively always just let myself pick up whatever I'm supposed to use. And as I look at the tombstone, the second name is Red Sample. 
So again, this probably doesn't do justice, but it was a really a fantastic session. When I went to Jeanette's that day, I, I felt defeated, sick, just disgusting. I just didn't feel like myself. And when I left, I was able to breathe again. I felt relief and happiness and just like a heavy weight was lifted off my shoulders. I felt like I was on top of the world again. So before I end today's episode, I did want to actually talk just a few minutes about Red Sample, the crime, and the capture, and the victims. It's remarkable. Attaching to me and tormenting me for several weeks, I was kind of forced to learn more about him. December 8th, 1883 was just any regular day in Bisbee, Arizona until five outlaw cowboys stormed into a general store with intentions of robbing it. And it ended with the lives of four people being gone forever. Now, I don't think they were planning on killing anybody that day. I think they were just wanting money. But four people died, including one of them being a pregnant woman, making the death toll five. Now, they are considered and called the Bisbee Five. But in fact, there were six men. The Bisbee Five contains Dan Dowd, Red Sample, Tex Howard, Bill Delaney, and Dan Kelly. They were the very first criminals to ever be legally hanged in Tombstone, believe it or not. The sixth man involved in this massacre slash robbery was the mastermind, John Heath. For some reason, the Bisbee Five were convicted and sent to the gallows and... John Heath, the mastermind, was sent to life in prison. Well, the townspeople, understandably so, didn't think that was okay. So they actually brought it upon themselves to break him out of the jail and hang him like the rest of them, and rightfully so. So on February 22nd, 1884, about a month before the other men were to be hanged, the townspeople broke John Heath out of jail and hanged him in the middle of town. The victims, J.C. Tepinay was leaving the Bonton Saloon, which was the neighboring business of the general store that they were robbing. The robbers standing guard outside tried to force him back into the saloon, but J.C. unfortunately refused. Faced with Winchester repeating rifles, he was shot in the head. Deputy Sheriff Tom Smith was enjoying a nice dinner at the Bisbee house with his wife across the street from where the robbery was and now shooting was taking place. He ran towards them and the robbers demanded he go back into the restaurant. Deputy Sheriff Smith refused as well, yelling at the robbers slash murderers. I am an officer of the law. One of the cowboys replied, then you are the one we want. Then he shot and killed Deputy Sheriff Smith. Indian Joe, a local man and only known by his name, was shot in the leg while he tried making his escape. And I believe Indian Joe did survive that. Annie Roberts, who was pregnant, came to the door of the Bisbee house, which she and her husband owned, and where Deputy Sheriff Smith was having his dinner. Annie was shot by the outlaws, with the bullet shattering her spine. Annie and her baby died later that evening. John A. Nolly, a local freighter, was outside standing with his wagon. He was shot in the chest. Death was not instantaneous, but like Annie Roberts, he too died later that evening. 
As the men left, they got on their horses and started shooting at anybody they saw. Deputy Sheriff William Daniels ran out of the saloon when he heard the shooting and emptied his revolver at the murderous cowboys, but ended up missing them, unfortunately. The men got away that day, went to a safe place, divided up the money, then went their own ways. There was $2,000. Today, that'd be close to around $49,000 reward for the capture or known whereabouts of these dangerous men. The sheriff department formed two posses. The first posse quickly left after the bloody incident took place. Unbeknownst to the sheriff's department or the townspeople, one of the men in that first posse was none other than the mastermind of the crime itself, John Heath. Sheriff Deputy William Daniels, who tried shooting at them as they made their getaway, made up the second posse. They left at daybreak and quickly caught up with John Heath's posse. While in the middle of searching for the cowboys, Heath noticed prints in the sand. Two sets going one way and three sets going the other. He brought it to this he brought this to Sheriff Deputy Daniels' attention, but he did not believe the mastermind Heath. Finally, when Heath was tried for his part in the massacre, Deputy Daniels accused John Heath of trying to mislead the posse because Tex Howard was the only man who neglected to wear a mask disguise. He was very quickly identified as one of the robbers. Upon further investigation, they were able to name the other four men involved. Let's talk about apprehension, shall we? Daniel York Kelly was caught somewhere near Deming, New Mexico. Tex Howard and Red Sample made the most fatal mistake of their lives, next to the massacre, of course, by returning to their old haunt in Clifton, Arizona. While in Clifton, they went to visit a bartender friend of theirs, who in return called the authorities after they left. A posse was formed, and within a couple of days, Tex Howard and Red Sample were captured. Dan Dowd was captured by Deputy Daniels across the international border in Corolitos, Sonora, in Mexico. William Delaney was also captured by Deputy Daniels with the help of Deputy Sheriff Robert Hatch in the town of Minas Prietas, Sonora, in Mexico. I'm sorry if I'm saying these names wrong. Where he was being held after being involved in a brawl with a local miner. John Heath was right about those two sets of prints in the dirt. Those were the prints of Dan Dowd and William Delaney. Obviously, being the mastermind of this horrific crime and being one of the head people in a posse to search for the murderous gang, I too would kind of have trouble trusting him. Kelly, Howard, Sample, Dowd, and Delaney were sentenced by the judge to be hanged by the neck until they were dead. Heath, upon his request, was tried separately. Unfortunately, the prosecutors were unable to produce any witnesses that could connect Mr. John Heath to the incident. The county attorney found a prisoner to testify against Heath. Sergeant Lawrence was in jail for the killing of two men during a saloon brawl and having incarcerated with Heath and his murdering cowboy gang. Sergeant Lawrence swore that he had overheard Heath and the other men talk about the massacre and why their plans had failed, something that Lawrence's sentence was exchanged for a lighter sentence due to his testimony. John Heath was convicted and handed down a second-degree murder charge. 
I'm glad the townspeople took it upon themselves to bring Heath to justice. I mean, why hang five of the men and let the mastermind live the rest of his days in a jail cell? Might not be cozy, might not be home, but hey, he's breathing, he's alive, he's eating, he's drinking, he's able to speak with family. Uh Uh-uh, not having it. So George Goodfellow had witnessed Heath hanging in town. Goodfellow, besides being a witness, happened to be the county coroner who was responsible for determining the exact cause of John Heath's death. In county coroner George Goodfellow's own words, he says, emphysema of the lungs, which might have been and probably was caused by strangulation, self-inflicted or otherwise, as in accordance with the medical evidence. So there you have it, you guys. That is the history behind the Bisbee Massacre. And why Red Sample stayed with me, I don't know. I may never know. It is creepy thinking about it, and I still get chills. I always feel like I'm being watched. (laughs) Hope you guys enjoyed part one and part two of the attachments. It was a mind-blowing experience for me, something I will never forget, and I'm hoping it'll never happen again. See you guys next week. Have a nice day.